This is John Flannery, your host. Welcome to our podcast, Let Freedom Ring. No more appropriate name could I imagine than that in these troubled days. I stand here knowing that my story is part of the larger American story. Our nation is about equality and opportunity for everyone. I think there's blame on both sides. Of course, there is dissent, because not everyone agrees, nor is everyone worthy of our democracy. We are in a battle to restore the soul of our nation. The answer is to rely on you. Not a time of life, but a state of mind. A temper of the will. A quality of imagination. A predominance of courage over timidity. Of the appetite for adventure over the love of the East. The cruel obstacles of this swiftly changing planet will not yield to the obsolete dogmas and outward slogans. They cannot be moved by those who cling to a present that has already died, prefer the illusion of security to the excitement and danger that come with even the most peaceful progress. It's difficult because it never seems to let up. We always seem to have to work. We must have the resolve to press on. Others have. I know you have In these times, when our nation is at risk, let's talk about how we restore the Republic and let freedom ring once again. Stay tuned. Let's consider the three R's, reading, writhing, and Republicans. We long ago exalted individual gun rights over a child's right to life. More recently, we have exalted the discrimination and abuse of our children in unhealthy school settings as a device to win elections rather than to advance a child's right to personal dignity and to be educated rightly and fully in the nation's history and modern science. After all, no child may be denied equal rights and a free public education. This is true no matter the child's race, nation of origin, religion, sexual orientation, or disability. This was one of the holdings in Brown against Board of Education in 1954, that separate is not equal. Nor may a child be thrown out of school, found pregnant, nor excluded from any school activity because of pregnancy. Nor may a child who is gay be barred from attending the school prom. School must teach English if the child doesn't know English. 
We all know why this is true. This is human. This is what we should do. But no less than the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child has affirmed that every child has a right to education. And why? And I quote, to develop to his or her fullest possible potential and to learn respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms. Ask yourself, can a child learn respect from adults who demonstrate little or none towards certain classes of students, the teachers, the administration, and the members of a local school board? I think not. What does a child learn from adults who oppose vaccines, masks, and distance to protect a child from the coronavirus, Delta, or Omicron? The first attack on school boards was parents shouting down mandates for remote learning. Then it turned to complaints that the schools were teaching, that our nation had discriminated and held slaves and fought a war over slavery and changed the Constitution and passed legislation to try to correct what the nation had gotten wrong. Republican conservatives saw their opportunity and started petition drives to recall school board members and to rally voters in statewide elections. Virginia may have seemed like ground zero to some, but it was only one political Frankenstein laboratory. Ballotpedia, a nonpartisan political encyclopedia, tracked 80 such efforts across the nation against 207 board members. In Virginia, Republicans made schools their political battleground in the final days before November in order to elect a wealthy political neophyte, Mr. Youngkin. They focused on mask mandates, mandatory vaccinations, fears what their children might be taught about our history of discrimination, that they might feel responsible. And those students who had a dissonant affection, sexual preference. But this wasn't just about Virginia. Like I said, this was across the nation. Chris Schultz, a retired teacher in Mequon, Wisconsin, the object of a recall petition reportedly said, quote, the Republican Party has kind of decided that they want to not just have their say on the school board, but determine the direction of school districts. Chris added, quote, the fact that this is being politically driven is heartbreaking. Scarlett Johnson resented the notion that racism was ingrained in institutions, and she also was from Wisconsin. Presumably, she would brush aside Brown against Board of Education, uh, redlining neighborhoods, criminal justice biases, and more. She declared she was against critical race theory being taught in school. Now, keep in mind, the National School Boards Association has affirmed that it's not being taught in any K-12 through school in the nation. No matter. Scarlett sought the recall of the entire school board, including Chris Schultz. One board member said, we've been called Marxist flunkies and we have police attending the meetings now. Akram Khan on the board, he was also named. He ran a private tutoring center. Because of the protests, he had to shut down his center for a while. Scarlett then ran for the board herself. When a former Republican lieutenant governor ran for governor, Scarlett joined the candidate on stage. Scarlett has organized door-to-door -door outreach in that statewide campaign. You see the point I'm getting at? Let's go to another state. Another example is how the Proud Boys, a far-right extremist group comfortable with political violence, showed up twice to school board meetings in Nashua, New Hampshire, to object to how racism is discussed in schools. 
The Nashua School Board, like others across the country, now has police attending meetings because of threats of violence. Another state, Tennessee. Anti-masked protesters followed attendees of the school board meetings to their car shouting, We will find you! Another state, Kimberly Cavill, a school board member in Illinois, wrote a letter to the local paper, quote, I did not anticipate emails littered with curse words and hateful slurs. I didn't anticipate people posting satellite images of my home on social media alongside dangerous, evidence-free accusations too disgusting to summarize. Anyone who listens to this entertaining images of brown shirt thugs in America? Well, you should, because that's exactly what this is. Some school board members are ending their terms of office early because of the threats of violence. Others are staying to fight because they believe it's right, and they believe they can do it and make a difference and stave off this undemocratic impulse to take over our school boards and to hurt our children and their education. Attorney General Mark Merrick Garland, appearing before Congress, testified about a memo he authored aimed at combating threats against school officials nationwide. He was asked to rescind the memo. He said he wouldn't. He politely told him the pound sand. What we've seen around the country, we've seen right here in Loudoun County. And Loudoun County has been in the news for this reason. Incoming Governor Yunkin promises to abolish critical race theory the first day he's office he's in office. On day one he has said, Well, hmm. Talk about a feat of magical misdirection, given it's not being taught presently in Virginia. I'm sorry to say it's another way to pull at the racism, conscious or otherwise, in people, the fear of equal rights for persons of color. And it says something pretty terrible against those who embrace this discrimination against children, hearkening back to the days of massive resistance to segregation in Virginia and the South more generally, when they sought to continue segregation rather than to integrate the people. Back to the point, I suppose Yunkin will come out the front door of the governor's mansion in Richmond at about midnight, the day he's sworn in, his wife in tow, perhaps his chief of staff with him, and whisper ever so quietly the words, perhaps with a snidely whiplash grin, ha ha, that what was not taught is no longer taught. Good work, Gov. Hey, Yunkin, hear the story of the emperor with no clothes? No? Never mind. Let's turn to another state again. Florida Governor DeSantis is up for re-election next year. He intends to reassure the voters there will be no critical race theory taught on his watch. Another state in Arizona, Blake Masters, who hopes to challenge incumbent Dem Senator Mark Kelly, the astronaut. Well, he's, that is, Blake Masters is busy slamming critical race theory as, here's the description, anti-white racism. You get the idea. But where are the Dems to set the record straight? I thought they were relatively, relatively quiet here in Virginia. Are we going to lose the midterms because of the fear and ignorance of our Democratic candidates to combat this charge against equality and tolerance? These dystopic transformations, converting classrooms and school board meetings into battlegrounds with shouting and screaming and insults, running for hours, broadcast on local media, are the spawn of a Republican Party seeking to win elections at 
all costs, the facts be damned, the children be damned. If you concentrate, you may see and hear in the rear view of Republican political history, the halting invocation of the elder President Bush's desire for a kinder and gentler America. Well, it's been replaced with this Machiavellian update, today's Republican political playbook, entirely nasty and brutal. Jefferson once wrote, quote, a nation that expects to be ignorant and free expects what never was and never will be. This fight is not about teaching our children. Of course, it may be about one kind of teaching. In the musical South Pacific, there's a haunting song about race. And I won't sing it, but you, you probably will recognize the lyric. You have to be taught to hate and fear. You have to be carefully taught. That's what Republicans are teaching. They're teaching hate and fear. They're teaching discrimination. They're teaching difference and intolerance. Of course, teaching our children anything is not the concern of this political stratagem. I mean, the regular teaching, the real three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, and the other things that a modern classroom can provide. They're, they're not concerned with teaching any more than saving the lives of school children was or is the concern of Second Amendment gun nuts. Their hierarchy is all out of order. Jefferson wrote a pertinent letter that you don't hear much quoted on public misconduct. And he said that, quote, nothing is so mistaken as the supposition that a person is to extricate himself from a difficulty by intrigue, by chicanery, by dissimulation, by trimming, by an untruth, by an injustice. This increases the difficulties tenfold, and those who pursue these methods get themselves too involved at length that they can turn no way, but their infamy becomes more exposed. Well, I have an amendment to that statement by Mr. Jefferson. We have to point it out. We have to say it, shout it from the rafters, make it clear that what these Republicans are teaching, their untruths and their dissimulations, their injustices, is there, and it defies our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, the amendments to our Constitution, and the legislation enacted to make these laws and principles effective. This year, before the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia, was a measure that transgender students would be addressed by their preferred pronouns. They would use bathrooms and locker rooms based on their gender identities. There had been a great deal of bullying of LGBTQ plus students. Virginia law directed that school districts consider revised anti-harassment guidelines. There was a couple in one of the county school students who had consensual sex twice, and then on another occasion, not so, that is not consented. The incident occurred in a bathroom. The boy was gender neutral, but it had nothing to do with this incident. What did matter is this time she didn't consent. It happened before the transgender provisions were in place. The assailant was prosecuted and convicted. The facts, however, the true ones, were inconvenient to the election year drama underway. The protesters believed what they wanted to believe. Those who opposed treating transgender students as equal misled the community. It also mixed into the political campaign for governor 
This cause, Celebra, became a point to ask the board members to resign. The protesters didn't care what the facts were. Phys ed, a phys ed instructor said he would not use the pronoun the student preferred. It was against his religion. He was suspended. The circuit court reversed his suspension. He said it was a matter of his religion. He couldn't say those words because he didn't believe they were true. The Supreme Court of Virginia upheld the lower court and this fanciful, fanciful defense against discrimination that his religion didn't permit him to say that. Let's consider this county. I won't do any other counties, but this county, Loudoun County, is about 420,000 persons. Fewer farmers all the time, more suburban all the time, a more diverse population. 25 years ago, 84% of the students were white. Today, it's about 43%. But consider the fact, as recently as 2019, an elementary school asked students, including a black student, to emulate runaway slaves during a game mimicking the Underground Railroad. There's more, and there have been efforts since to address such insensitivity. Beth Bartz, a former school board member, said it was important that we, quote, teach that other voices should also have a voice at the table. She admitted that some didn't like that. They felt threatened. They moved to recall Beth Bartz. There were threats that came. One threat came from a man, unidentified, at a Starbucks who said, I'm standing here with your child. That evening she had police protection. In the morning she resigned because of the threats. The question for Loudon and school boards across the country is, are we ready to fight for what's right and for the students? Fight is the appropriate word when we're talking about treating all persons as equal, free of discrimination, free to speak without threats. And when a fair amount of the county's current dialogue is trading truth with those who flood the airwaves with false and misleading statements. An original promise of this nation was equality. That took a fight. Another promise was access to the vote. That took a fight. We had to resist slavery. That took a fight. There are critical elements of those past fights that apparently remain to be won. That's going to take a fight. We the people are the words in the Constitution that bind us to these original promises. The person who replaced Beth is a person with a long resume encompassing the role of being a school board member. I've known him, Tom Marshall, for many years and his background as an educator, counselor, and former member of the school board. And in my humble opinion, this is why he was chosen. He was experienced. It's why I would have chosen him. It's only been a few days and the hits are already coming. So you see, there is no relief from this war. Some oppose Tom because he's older. That's discriminatory. That's ageism. You know, some societies celebrate the wisdom body that a person accumulates in a life of achievement and the positions entrusted to him, her, or them. I think the vote reflected that kind of judgment. It's a plus to have someone who has navigated past controversial issues that come before a school board in good times. Some others wish Tom was diverse. He's a white male. I don't believe that's why he was chosen, nor do I think it's a negative, a reason to exclude him, something that could be a demerit for a public post. He was chosen for his experience. For the roiling times in Loudoun County, Tom is an excellent choice. Now, anyone who disagrees with Tom can run against him and weigh in when there's a, an election only one year from now. 
This is a kind of exercise we need in all the school boards across the nation. Deliberate thinking about the decisions that we must make, whether it be about personnel or policy. We should be prepared to embrace the purpose of school for our children and fight for it and for them. That also means we should be prepared to address those who may continue to embrace the maniac impulse, that is, those few who have no use for public schools or tolerance for transgender children or who believe our children should be kept deaf, dumb, and blind about our complex history, or those who think we need no precautions against the virus in its various forms. Of course, nothing is off the table for discussion, but it must be a discussion, and this is not to shout and scream and do violence and break up meetings. Anyone who misbehaves like a common thug should be ejected and ex excluded. I presume our sheriff and police know how to handle disorderly conduct, assault, and worse if that's what we have to deal with. I welcome A.G. Garland's efforts in these regards. In the end, we have to support people like Tom Marshall and help him do the best job he can. Same with the other members of the school board in our locality and across the nation. But don't fool yourself. These board fights are not about our children or education. They are the foils by which our children and education suffers. What is this really about? It's about how we conducted democracy that some would prefer was an autocracy. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this of, of some worth. And I'll talk to you again next week. All the best. Bye-bye.